Welcome, welcome to Yoga Wellness Money. I'm Amanda Mortensen, and today I want to talk about being satisfied. We live in an amazing world where we have access to so many privileges and opportunities, opportunities to gain more, do more, become more. But sometimes, even after we've gotten some great accomplishments under our belt or we're living in uh, the house that when we walked through it, we're like, this is a place and we fell in love and everything worked out and escrow closed. Sometimes we find ourselves still wanting or feeling a sense of lack. And I remember being in that position in 2009 My life had kind of mellowed out after a couple of years of turmoil, and I had the townhouse that I originally like fell in love with that wasn't on the market, was already in escrow, and I called and I said, if anything happens, call me because you're about to sell my house to another person. And sure enough, I got a call six or eight weeks later, and the house had fallen out of escrow. I got the house four months later. It was a short sale. It took a long time. But eventually I got in there. I painted it. I wanted it to feel like kind of like spa retreat. And so I went for this mood and the way I painted and decorated. And I had a steady job and things were good. I was single and I wanted to be married and I wasn't married. And I bet you that was the thing that I was boohooing about the day I got an inspiration. So I'm standing and I'm probably thinking about not having a husband or something along those lines. And I remember a voice coming distinctly to me and it said, be satisfied. And I kind of stopped in my tracks and the voice came again, be satisfied. And I looked around right then and I thought, yes, I have so much to be grateful for. I've got my health. I've got a stable income. I've got a home that I love. I have friends and there isn't anything not to be grateful for. And so in that moment, I just realized that I just needed to enjoy what I had achieved, enjoy where I was in life, and know that things were going to happen in due time when the time was right. And so I've often thought of that, and I did get married. It wasn't for another... mm, Two years after that, and then we dated for two years and got married, and we've been married for five years now. But that's not the point. The point is just in this life, in this world that we live in that is always pushing us to like have more, get this, be this way, look this way, have this body, you know, travel to this place. You know, all of this stuff kind of in our ear, but sometimes we just forget to just be still and to just look around and just be really deeply grateful for all of the things that are right in our life. And so 
And even our trials, we have a way to be grateful for that because in our trials, we learn to be, you know, get to some of those deeper parts of ourselves where we learn that we're strong or that we're resilient. And so today I want to talk about a little bit more of the be satisfied because I think this plays into not only our health, but our, also our financial well-being because I remember growing up, and my mother is excellent with money. She is super conservative. It's not that she, you know, is brilliant with investments. As a matter of fact, she's not a big investor. She, I don't think she has really anything in the stock market. But this is the one thing that she did well. And I'm also going to tell you sort of how much money she made from the time I was 18 to to now that she's retired and how she's living her life. So let's back up. So back in the day, I'm growing up in Boise, Idaho, and, you know, it's a great place to be raised. And we moved there from California and, you know, we bought this house in a cul-de-sac that was brand new. It wasn't two stories. I really wanted two stories. But it was a little 1,300 square foot house, you know, it was just me and my brother and my mom and my dad. And it um, had three bedrooms, one bathroom. Can you imagine? Like, we don't have one bathroom situations anymore. But it was what I called a matchbox house. As I got older and got to be a teenager and my friends lived on the other side of Boise in these gorgeous big homes in this neighborhood called the Hickories. And I was always just like, someday I want to live in a big home and I want to have what they have. The interesting thing though, was we actually could afford to live in a nicer place, which I did not know when I was growing up. I had no idea until I tried to apply for financial aid as a freshman in college and got turned down miserably. And the neighbor that was helping me fill out my forms was like, I don't know why you guys are living in this neighborhood. Your dad makes like three times the average income of this neighborhood. And I was kind of like indignant. I like went to my mom and I'm like, how come you always acted like we were poor when we were not poor? But my mom always had the idea that she wanted to live below her means. And as I looked back on growing up, I realized that whenever it came to going on trips for school and you have to go door to door and you have to sell stuff to neighbors, crappy, ugly stuff to, you know, neighbors and hope that they buy it. And then, you know, whatever paltry percentage they give the school or you, I hated doing that. And I would be, I'd go home and I'd tell my mom, I don't want to even go on the trip. I'm not going on the trip. And my mom would just write a check and I always went on the trip. And if there was skiing or skiing lessons, I was in skiing lessons and lessons. If there was finishing school, I was in finishing school. If I was taking three dance classes a week, she paid for three dance classes a week. Whereas my friends that lived in these enormous houses were always complaining that they had to earn money to do things uh, or they didn't have the same opportunities. So it was sort of 
looking back, I was like, wow, that was really a blessing that my mom chose to live below our means, to have a house way beneath what we could afford so that there was enough cash freed up that my brother and I could easily have a lot of opportunities and not have it, you know, stretch or break the family budget. Another principle she was really good at teaching me is not going into debt. She does not believe in paying interest on anything, not a car, not student loans, not a credit card, nothing except for a home. So, and this is an important principle because when I was 18, she did ultimately get um, a divorce. Now, the divorce was long overdue. It was from my stepfather. He was a raging alcoholic, and he smoked a lot of pot. But when I was 18, they divorced, and she went out and she got a job. And the nice thing was is she could still afford the house payment because it wasn't beyond what she could do on her own. And she got a job as a secretary at the local university, And she went about her life and she continued to stay out of debt and to live below her means. And when I went to law school, she actually, you know, put me through law school. I had scholarships and I had help from my mother, which was such a blessing. But I don't think she made more than... Thirty-five or 40000 a year most of her career. And the interesting thing about that is my mother is now retired, and she has Social Security, she has her pension from the university, and she has a paid-for house. So not only did she own her original house, but when my brother went to college, she bought a second home so that him and his friends could live there and his friends paid rent to go to school. And when they moved out, she sold her first house, used that, the proceeds to pay for the second house and moved into it. And so she went into retirement with a paid off house, not a dime of debt. And she has a lot of money saved up. I mean, she right now could probably write a hundred thousand dollar check cash. Plus she lives on half of her income. So if she gets social security and her pension, she uses one of them and she puts the other one in the bank. And she does this because she has a lifelong habit of saving money and living below her means. And she has been very generous with my brother, with me and my husband. Um, She has, you know, offered to loan us money for a down payment so that we could reach the 20% mark so we wouldn't have to pay PMI. And this is a woman who literally never had a big income. And so I just know that if we are being conscientious about what's coming in and being grateful and taking care of the things that we already have and being less concerned about the thing we think we need or pushing that buy it now button on Amazon, we really can get in the habit of being satisfied and being content 
and learning to be happy where we are. Of course, that you know flies in the face of some of the self-improvement gurus, but I really believe that as we sort of embrace where we are and find peace with what we have and are still, we will get ideas and we will understand where we need to go next and what is the most important thing for us in our life and not be on this treadmill of you know, money coming in and all these bills going out because we have a lot of payments or we have a lot of debt. And so I recommend to you, one of the first things you do is just, if you do have debt, if you are sitting on a pile of different bills that come in, whether it's credit cards or student loans or a car payment, really jump on the Dave Ramsey bandwagon. I love his... uh, approach to getting out of debt. I think you can buy even just a small pack that talks about budgeting and debt. It's kind of like a mini F Financial Peace University. And it just talks about, you know, kind of just getting really intense and taking 12 to 24 months and living on beans and rice to just get all that wiped out so that you have some freedom and some lightness and you can be still and you can really pattern the kind of life you want now and in the future and make sure that you're not a burden to your children. I am so grateful that my mother has lived the way she has because, you know, all of us know people whose parents have been fiscally irresponsible. And even though a lot of money came into the household, more of it went out and poor choices, poor habits. And so... If we can be the kind of parent that my mother has been to me and made it so that she is self-sufficient in her later years, I believe she's 75 now and she still goes to the gym every single day and you know she continues to have all types of freedom and you know luxury to do whatever she wants. And so but she also has learned to have a deep level of satisfaction with, you know, her home, her car, even though she can pay cash and get a way better car. But she, you know, she's like, I like my car. I know what's wrong with it. I know what's good with it. So I challenge you today to really take an inventory of your life and make a list of just like everything you have. You know, do you have like a stuffed wardrobe and awesome clothes and you just need to have a friend come over and help you find a way to restyle them so you're not tempted to go out and buy more clothes? You know, do you need to look around and notice that you have healthy children or notice that, you know, you have a spouse that tells you he loves you every day or you have great girlfriends that are loyal to you and you're loyal to them? Make the best of the life you're currently in. Be still. Be grateful. Be satisfied. And then you'll be in a place where you can really decide where you need to go next, where you need to pivot, what you want to kind of set as your next goals. But slow it down, girl. We are in no hurry. There is not a race. I mean, it seems like there's a race, but there's not a race. We we kind of compare ourselves 
to me, myself, and I, you, yourself, and you. I don't know how to say that in second person. I have no idea. But you get what I'm saying. Like, it's really just about us. And it's really just about staying in our own lane and figuring out where we are in our own lane. It's even though we might be in a relationship, it's not even about our partner necessarily. Yeah, you're, you and your partner are an entity and there's a partnership dynamic, but you have to remember that at the end of the day, you're responsible for your own lane, for your own happiness, for your own health, for your own uh, mental well-being. And so really own your lane and really be in a place where you are being still and taking that time to to meditate, to think, to be grateful, to really just be in a space where you're taking responsibility for your own current life and looking ahead to the life that you want to have a year from now, five years from now, and even 20 years from now. One of my new favorite commercials is the E-Trade commercial where it has these 90-year-old actors, you know, doing the fire hose in the fire station, getting thrown all around and said, you know, you don't want to have to have a job at that age (laughs) or something like that. So not that we're ever too old to work and be doing things we love, but let's make sure we're in a place where we have lived a life that's below our means, that we've learned to be grateful for what we have, and that we're always just in a place where we have the freedom to be living who we should be and what we should be doing with our gifts and talents and not just drowning trying to survive in a sea of stuff and a sea of crap because we just keep getting more and more and thinking we need nicer or newer or better. So I leave this with you. I hope you'll think about it. I hope you'll Look around right now in the car you're driving or the kitchen counter you're wiping down and just think, man, I have a lot, a lot of abundance in my life and more is going to come, but I don't need to like run after it. So I hope you'll join us over at yogawellnessmoney.com. Thanks for joining us. I'm Amanda Mortensen and namaste. Namaste.